Markets with Sean Hackett. This edition of the Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by Dawson Tire Mill, your premier ag tire mill provider in North America. It's also brought to you by Tractors Room Delivering Insights. Sean, how you doing today, man? I'm doing pretty good. Trying to uh, keep up with everything. It's been a wild, wild week for sure, and uh, I'm kind of glad it's a Friday. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's a uh, we we need to hit the pause button for a minute. I think kind of let let everyone collect your thoughts and see how see what happens here because the. Uh, this week has been, we, you know, we talk about volatility on here a lot, but my goodness, this is a, you know, have down down nine percent stock market one day, and then it makes its way back up five, and then it dropped down nine, seven or eight times, uh, or seven eight percent over the course of the uh, next couple of days. So, I tell you what, man, it's been crazy. Commodity markets have done the same thing; they've been up and down, and everything in between. So, I guess uh, between like coronavirus and and uh, Russia and, and Saudi Arabia trying to see who's who's a bigger player in the oil business. We've <laughs> got we've got this kind of stuff going on. So I guess give me your insights about this week so far. Well, whether we like it or not, um, governments and people have panicked. Mm-hmm. Once they panic, it's got to run itself out. And and so what what has happened is the global economy is sort of been shut down. Not completely, but it's really been shut down. And, um, um, you know, that's just not uh, easy to handle from the market perspective because, it's, you know, shutting down the global economy is not something that you have in your models of, of what you would right. expect are risk factors. And so the government, the Federal Reserve announced a, million, a trillion and a half dollars of money they're going to put in or put in the system. Uh, Trump's coming out saying they're going to fill the, the oil reserve and they're going to... Mm-hmm. Uh, have payroll taxes and say so you don't have to make mortgage payments for a couple of months. And so the governments are just desperately trying to buy time because everyone understands viruses come and viruses go. This one will go just like it's already been receding in China. Right. We got it. We got it a month later. So we're not there yet, but it will recede. So the government is just trying to plug all the holes up that they can buy some time uh, to get, put money in people's pockets to keep them going so that once it finally recedes and they can open up the global economy again, things can get back to normal. And we're still in this, you know, they're trying to do, put that in there, to, but they haven't quite done it yet. And panic is still out there and markets are all over. But the VIX index hit 90 this week. Yeah. I mean, you look at a chart, the VIX, I mean, the 87 crash, uh, 08 crash. I mean, it's not a whole lot of times you get to 90. That's the bad thing. The good thing is when you get to 90, it's really hard to stay there. And so we saw this big rally at the end of the day uh, today, you know, showing that maybe we just have gotten, so, we, maybe we can't get any more panicky than we did this week. That maybe we just got to calm down just by the nature of, it's very hard to stay that panicky for very long. And I'm hopeful that next week we start to get at least a calming of fears and the market will be operating functionally more normally again, at least for c- compared to what we just saw, more normal. <laughs> Right. No, I'm no kidding. Yeah. So yeah, this week, man, I tell you what, it's been it's been crazy. It's been all over the place. Um I I guess 
give me let's take a let's take a long kind of a, a an outlook here on when I look at what's going on with uh, with Russia and Saudi Arabia, I think there's I'm a little more concerned about that, especially with what's happening in Brazil with the way their currencies go. So these countries like like Russia, Ukraine, Kazakhstan, those big areas where they're growing a lot of wheat, and then Brazil now being kind of the southern breadbasket of the world, um, their currencies are are, uh, are are really weak. I mean, they really kind of go, which kind of favors the fact that they're going to see some exports out of those countries. Um, especially if there's some kind of major economic problem uh, with, with Russia since overwhelming majority of their economy is, is uh, powered by, by energy and oil. So I guess talk about that a little bit, with this coronavirus thing and, and what we see there. I, I guess what are some of your thoughts about long-term effects on, on currencies and, and how that's going to affect some what we would hope maybe some phase one stuff would have handled with, with China here as far as exports go? Well, certainly the coronavirus, you know, because it's put the global economy and especially commodities into the into the big hole here. And countries like Brazil, which are very reliant economically on commodities, and like Russia, very reliant on crude oil and that sort of thing. Um, uh, that's why it's so important to uh, try to backstop what's going on right now to avoid the current panic, the domino effect getting worse. Uh, meaning, you know, if Brazil blows up and we get a 30% currency crash like we see in uh, uh, Argentina all the time, you know, that is very, very difficult to overcome anytime soon. And, and we need to avoid that. We need to do everything we can to avoid it. How do you avoid that? You have to keep the system going. You have to prevent uh, commodities from crashing further. You have to prevent, uh, you know, the, the, the dollar from uh, soaring here because, Everyone is flooding to to uh, as a flight to quality. Yet you have to try to do everything you can to offset that until the virus recedes and things normalize. Uh, because once you trigger that, uh, as you said, then the long term impacts are very severe. And, and then and then what does the trade war mean? How can the trade war be uh, implemented if if the currency, if the, let's say the real drops thirty percent and their products are have just dropped thirty percent? How do we actually can sell to the Chinese? When products in South America are 30% cheaper, it's really problematic. I feel, I think uh, Saudi Arabia saw an opportunity with the coronavirus to do a takedown in the oil market when they knew oil demand would be under, you know, would, would be under stress to try to inflict uh, pain on their competitors and gain market share. I think they know full well the minute the coronavirus falls off, the minute that demand starts to pick back up, that the global economy gets fired back up again, they'll be unable to produce enough oil to keep it in the low 30s. I think, I think they pretty much know that, but they think they had a window to put maximum pressure on their competitors for market share uh, before the price will have to go back up. So I'm not really thinking that this is a long-term price depression. I just think this was a short-term opportunity. You know, it, it's sad to think that somebody like Saudi Arabia would, u- would use the this tactic at a time like this, but on the flip side, cheaper oil means that every consumer in the world is getting a fiscal stimulus in some shape or form. Right. Meaning, you know, everyone is paying a little bit less for gas or a little bit less to heat, heat their home or a little less for whatever it is. So, so there is some benefit short term in putting that money out in the global economy. As long as it doesn't stay there for too long, I don't think there's long term damage, but it's definitely something. Uh, that one would have to pay attention to if it were to last more than a couple of months. So. Yeah. So, uh, 
this from Bloomberg coming in, and they were talking about how uh, the Federal Reserve put out half half a billion, I think, half a billion dollars on Wednesday, another half a billion dollars on Thursday. Uh, one point five, to- trillion, trillion. Okay, one point five trillion. Okay, so they yeah. they put it out three different times. All right, okay, all right. So they got this out there, but the bank take rate is like next to nothing. It's like a hundred hundred billion dollars is all they've taken out of that. Um, do you think that bank is banks are being overly cautious right now because of that? Because of what we see happening, or do you think there's just no one coming to the bank right now saying, "Hey, I need a loan"? Well, I mean. I- like everyone right now, whether you're the airline business, whether you're in the cruise line business, uh, <laughs> right? Yeah. Whether, whether you're in the ag lending business, I think everyone yeah. is going. Uh, you know what? Let's just pull ourselves in here. Let's just right. let's, let's see what's happening here. I think everyone is just kind of, you know, let's not do anything crazy. So I think for now that's what's happening. Everyone's being overly cautious, just to make sure, you know, just to get a handle on, you know, can we get our, our hands around this, and is this just going to be a a couple of months problem because if it's just a couple of months, it's painful, but it's not the end of the world. If it's six months or nine months, it's a serious major problem, and everyone's being extra cautious, just in case. Um, and I, and of course, that is you know, it makes sense to be a little overly cautious right now. Um, but having said that, because of that being cautious, should it look like that things are prying loose and things are normalizing, then that's a big rush to come in. And to tap into that liquidity very, very quickly. And that's why you could get a post-virus uh, rally in markets that could be as equally as exciting or, or, or as equally as impressive as what we just went on the downside. So. Yeah. yeah. Uh, crazy stuff going on. Let's, let's jump over and take a look at the one market over here that is most susceptible to, to these, uh, these swings. And it's the, it's the cotton market and, and how they relate to the different economic stimuluses when it comes to people's just ability to go buy clothes and those kind of things. Talk about the cotton market a little bit and we see happening there. Well, <clears throat> three important things for cotton. The first thing is uh, cotton competes with oil-based fiber, polyester. Um, and when you get the crude oil market losing half its value, the polyester price crashes, yeah. uh, you know, cotton has to compete. And, and so, yeah, some people want cotton no matter what, but not everybody. So, uh, so that's a problem. Second thing is obviously, you know, when you think about what do I absolutely positively have to buy, uh, you, know, you don't have to go out and buy clothes right away. You can put that off somewhere. Now, I think most people have enough clothes that they just keep using it for now and wash them a few extra times. But, you know, you don't have to go out and buy clothes, but you do have to buy food. And that's, that's a distinction that means that demand just can just go away for a while and it doesn't have to come back. Uh, the other issue, though, is, you know, uh, at some point, you know, Who's going to plant cotton? I mean, actually, we got into the fifty cent uh, under sixty cents this week. You know, I mean, at what point does the, you know? Do you just say, you know, I, I'm just not going to even bother doing it this year? I mean, of course, the best ground always gets planted, Casey. We know that it's the best ground will always take a shot right. at it. But there's a lot right. of ground that the Western Texas ground that you know, dryland ground that they just they say, you know what, or the bank may say, you know what, you're not. We're not doing it this year. And, and that, that's a bullish thing if we get the, uh, the global economy back online is that they don't plant those acres and the demand actually comes back later on in the year. It could be quite a shortfall. So, so those are the three things. But right now, demand destruction and competition from, pot, from polyester prices are really driving the market down. And it's hard to see that ending right now. You know? Yep. 
Yep. All right. So cattle have had uh, a couple of days of, of uh, limited uh, or limit expanded uh, trading and they've, they've limited up and they've limited down. So they've kind of been everywhere in between with this uh, kind of self quarantining social, what's the word they use the other day? Social uh, distancing. Um, and what that, all those, those fun things, right? <laughs> Not a lot of people are going to restaurants and those kind of things, which has a big effect on, on the protein markets, whether it's pork, chicken or fish or beef or whatever it is. So I guess, I mean, the cattle market could just be one of those things. Same with hogs too. Could just be one of those deals where it's just kind of a day-to-day thing. You live, you live to fight another day type scenario. So I guess talk about the proteins and what you see happening there. Well, I mean, the media is focusing on the loss of people going out to restaurants, to functions, um, and, and, and the lost demand for the meat that would be served at those establishments. Um, having said that, I went to my supermarket today, and it, it wasn't a, a, it wasn't a, I couldn't find any beef, couldn't find any chicken, couldn't find any pork, and and I was did a survey of a whole bunch of supermarkets in Florida. All the beef is gone. All the pork is gone. All the chicken is gone. So how much of the demand is really being lost here? Is, is it? Is it, it? So so the market's focusing on the one segment that they can immediately see being hurt. But I'm not sure they're correctly ascertaining that just because people are staying home doesn't mean they're not going to eat chicken, beef, and pork. They may not eat. Right. They may eat different qualities. They may, you know. But but at the same time, I, I, from what I can tell. The, the, there's massive, massive need to restock all these this meat that's been uh, consumed or purchased here in the last, let's say, week or so or two. And so, so has, is the is the market missing that? I think they may be underestimating what that demand looks like. That we're okay. There maybe there's some demand issues, but it, it doesn't sound like it. It deserves to be hitting the cattle market uh, back to Tyson fire levels. <laughs> Right. Which is essentially where we're at. I mean, I think the market's gotten it way overdone. I think the market's gotten yep. way overdone. Yeah, I feel like it's kind of got way over the top on about everything out there. Um, the uh, I was watching I was Bloomberg this morning coming in. They were talking about you know Carnival and and all the cruise lines and the airlines and everybody else how they were their stocks were up like thirty five or forty percent what they from what they were the day before. And, uh, you know, Boeing and all these airline manufacturers, engine manufacturers, everybody else, they were just going through the roof. It was kind of short-lived. I mean, they, they lost it all by, before the day it was over. But it was it was funny to watch that extreme rebound. I mean, it, when everything's so traded by algorithms, and the littlest thing kind of blows it all off. And like you said right now, they don't know how to the algorithm is a program to, to factor in just world chaos in the, in the economic market. So I, I, it's a... It, it they, sucks they, and, they, you know, they, they do not know how to handle it. That's why we, we're seeing the VIX go to 90. I mean, they just have yeah. no idea. Should they be buying? Should they be selling? Should they be selling? Should they be buying? The, the mod- they should shut down the models for a little while until they can figure out what the model should be. Because I don't think they're capable of handling it right now. And so it's causing yeah. some crazy distortions. Um, you know, I mean, ultimately some tremendous opportunities. But, you know, hard to know what to do when markets are gyrating for really no reason other than big money moving yeah. around because programs have lost their way, you know? Right. Um, yeah. So, so, so that's out there, but, but things will calm down, you know, things will calm down and, um, and, and, and the algorithms will get reattached again. Um, I think the best thing to do right now, Casey, um, you know, everyone has an opinion and you hear s- s- tweets and 
social media stories and government saying all kinds of things and conflicting stories and all kinds of things. I think the two most important things to just pay attention to is China got this first. Right. Um, and it's receiving there first. Their markets crashed first and their markets have started to rebound first. So I think that, you know, they're going to be, it's their reaction and their post reaction is, is really what we need to be looking at. So, so if you look at the Chinese stock market, it absolutely got obliterated when the lockdown took place. And but this the day, you can actually put your finger on the day that the virus started to recede. That day, Chinese stocks took off. You know that they're almost where they were before the virus hit in China, the stock market there. Um, uh, so, and, 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 I, and I'm looking at all the activity numbers in China. We're all starting to rise again. Uh, as, they're, as they're coming back online. I think that's the model because remember, we're a month delayed. The US is a month delayed. Europe's a month delayed. So what does that mean? That means that we're going to start to see the virus receding sometime in early April if we follow the same timeline. The day that happens, markets are going to go nuts to the upside because the market will then have to price in restarting the global economy and all the demand that's going to come back and all the demand that's been put off is going to come rushing in to fill those supermarket shelves again to buy what they should have been buying. And, and so, so I think that the Chinese uh, experience, by the way, that is the Chinese experience is verified by other pandemics. The research we did shows that's how it goes. So I think that we're really close to this. We have it. We figured it out. It's no longer getting the best of us. It's going away. Oh my gosh, we've got to buy everything. It's not that far away. And so I, I, as, as depressing as it is, as stressful as it is for people in, in the ad business, in the airline business, I actually believe we're almost, you know, that the worst is just about, it hasn't already, it's just about done. And we're really yeah. ready for the post-virus rally, which for every a action is an equal and opposite reaction. It's going to be quite spectacular when we finally say this, we've put this genie back in the bottle. We're still worried. We've got to be vigilant, but, but it's no longer getting the best of us anymore. It, it, mm -hmm. It's coming. And so you need, everyone needs to keep calm, collected, and to realize that, that some really good opportunities to sell are coming. And it could be those prices could be higher than they would have been had we not gotten this big knockdown, which would then could cause a bigger bounce. So, so I do see, you know, maybe I'm just a, 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 a perpetual eternal optimist, but I actually am optimistic that prices are going to be offered over the summer to producers that will be more than acceptable. I really believe that's going to take place. So. No, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of right there with you. Just looking forward to that. The, the shelves being stocked full of toilet paper again. That way we can get that, <laughs> get that thing back together. <laughs> well, I just figured I'll use a towel and keep washing it. <laughs> oh, man, I tell you what, this world's coming to an end quick if you learn how to you gotta need that much toilet paper. I'll tell you what, goodness. Well, and, and, they, and they took and they, and they took my uh, northern quilt, that was stuff that I really like. I couldn't find my northern quilt toilet paper. Yeah, I know. It's, I've heard of people buying like cases of stuff like Sam's and all this stuff. I'm like, it's toilet paper. So like, come on, man. See, we're, we're used to it down here. Every hurricane season, this happens down here. Every single hurricane yeah. season. We get one name storm, and this happens. Every, so I'm used to this, actually. We're just used to it. But everywhere else, yeah. they don't know. They're like, I've never seen this. I'm like, oh, this happens every year. <laughs> 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 oh, 
<laughs> right. Yep. Crazy stuff. Yeah. All right, Sean. Good stuff as usual. Folks want to reach out to you, pick your brand, or just see what you have to offer there at Hack Financial. What's the best way to do that? Uh, our website at Hackett, H-A-C-K-E-T-T, advisors.com, all kinds of information on there to see if what we do may be of value to, to the listeners. Right on. I'm Casey Seymour with Moving Iron Podcast. Make sure to check me out on my social media stuff at Moving Iron LLC on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Also check out movingironllc.com for all the latest news having to do with uh, Moving Iron Podcast and, and all the other stuff we have going on, as well as Global Ag Network. Check out all the great podcasters there as well. So until next time, I'm Casey Seymour with Sean Hackett. Don't forget your toilet paper, folks. It's been Lucy Iron. Out. <laughs> In the 21st century Hard-working people Working hard for you and me Moving higher Time and time again Through the years you'll find us here